Pins and Needles, Part 4, Angela. Dublin, Ireland, seven years ago. There was an almost Beckettesque symmetry about the moment. The two men shared an awkward glance over the stooped figures of their partners. Then the father's attention was drawn again to his daughter's tear-streaked face as she hugged her mother goodbye, chin resting on the older woman's shoulder. The younger man breathed an inward sigh of relief as a large woman with two small children and an overloaded trolley of suitcases was brought to a halt, unable to get past. He laid his hand softly on his wife's arm. Darling, there's a lady trying to get through. The mother and daughter parted, and the conventions of public behaviour reasserted themselves. Well, we'd better head on through, said the father. With all the extra security nowadays, it can be very slow. Grace and David remained at the barrier after the older couple had passed through the double doors, marked with the passengers only beyond this point sign. The opaque glass slid apart every time another traveller approached, and in this way Grace watched her parents' slow progress through the security check, until, finally, they had reached the far side of the conveyor belts and metal detectors. They paused, standing there, waiting for a final wave. When the doors closed on them, David turned to go, but Grace caught his arm. Wait. A moment later, the doors slid open again to admit another group of travellers. The space where the older couple had stood was empty. Grace drew a deep breath, and, to her husband, she appeared suddenly frail and vulnerable. He wrapped her in what he hoped was a big protective hug. We'll see them next month. The screen at the gate announced that flight EI584 to Malaga would be departing on time. On the seating beneath, the woman turned to her husband. Are we doing the right thing, Frank? Of course we are, love. It's our dream. We've been planning it for a long, long time. And you know, we've weighed up all the pros and cons. It's the right thing. They sat in silence for a while. But when he spoke again, it was as though the conversation had continued aloud. She has David, and anyway, we're only a short flight away. It's tough on us all now, but when we're sipping sangria and lying by the pool, you'll feel better. And you know she's going to take every opportunity to get away from the rain and visit us. The woman smiled. You're right, of course. I just hate goodbyes. Parting is such sweet sorrow, he said softly. She turned to him and waited until his eyes met hers. I love you, Frank Casey. The age dropped off him like a discarded cloak as his face broke into that great big smile that had won her heart all those years before. And I adore you, Helen Elizabeth Josephine Casey. They had left her in the care of a nurse and moved to the room next door. But the doctor had one of those important voices that always sounded loud so she could hear him quite well, and she could see their shapes, colours blurred, through the window with the glass like at home in the bathroom upstairs. You're perfectly right, Grace. It undoubtedly is of psychological rather than physical condition, he was explaining. In fact, it's well documented. We call it selective mutism. Normally we find it with young, shy children, and usually it's only in certain situations, school for example, that they can't or won't talk. In your daughter's case, it has obviously been brought on by the trauma of her father's, uh, your husband's. You see, she thought triumphantly, 
You didn't even know my daddy and you can't say it. Dead. 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 The blackness swelled up, so she clenched her eyes tightly, clenched her lips tightly, and clenched her hands tightly. It receded to just below the surface again, ready to erupt at any moment. When he had asked her to write down what she had felt, she had simply stared at the page, trying to think how she would describe the blackness. Once Jessica O'Rourke had handed her a bottle of cola. As a joke, though, she had shaken it first, so that when Angela twisted off the cap, the fizzy drink had exploded all over her clothes. The blackness was like that bottle of cola. She had to keep the cap tightly in place or it would explode, and then she would probably die, and although she'd be with Daddy, that would leave Mummy on her own. Her mother's murmured response to the doctor was too low to make out, but his reply was loud and clear. Yes, there's always the chance that she'll simply start speaking again of her own accord, but that's by no means certain. He stopped there, and Angela wondered what her mother was thinking. After a moment, he spoke again. There's a class of drugs known as SSRIs. They're in the family of antidepressants. She's a child, protested her mother, her voice raised. A little girl. I'm not going to have her on antidepressants. I understand your concern, Grace, but these are the most widely used antidepressants. Any side effects often diminish substantially after time. Side effects? What kind of side effects? Well, uh, headache, uh, maybe mild nausea in some cases, or sometimes there's no discernible effect at all. It all depends on the individual. Angela heard the chair move, and through the frosted glass, she saw the figure of her mother rise. She said something to the doctor as she crossed the room to the door, but now she had returned to her usual low murmur and Angela couldn't make it out. She jumped up and ran out into the hall before the nurse had time to look up, emerging at the same time as her mother, who reached out to take her hand. Come on, darling, let's go home. Granny's coming back to stay with us tomorrow, so maybe you can help me to get the bedroom ready for her. Angela watched a man carefully cleaning each leaf of a plastic plant in the reception, while her mother waited for the woman to print out the bill. It struck her that watering a real plant would surely take a lot less time. She came suddenly out of her thoughts to find that she was staring and that the man was staring back. He kept a serious face for a moment, and then he winked. Straight-faced, Angela walked over to her mother and held her coat. Mammy was counting out banknotes. Angela saw two fifties and some others. She'd heard Mammy talking to Uncle Tony on the phone. He let the policy lapse. She didn't know what it meant, but she knew that it had something to do with money, and that it wasn't good. The blackness rumbled, and she held more tightly to her mother's coat. End of chapter 1